Chapter 14 of Titus, A Comrade of the Cross. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Van Lance, Woodstock, Alabama. Titus, A Comrade of the Cross by Florence M. Kingsley. Chapter 14 Slowly the hours dragged by. Night came on, and as slowly wore away. Still Titus watched and waited from some word from Stephen, while within the sick-room the watchers, with despairing hearts, saw the steady and relentless approach of the dread destroyer. The child lay motionless now, her eyes half-opened and glassy, but for the sound of her difficult breathing which filled the chamber they would have thought her dead. The mother had thrown herself on her knees at the foot of the bed, her face hidden in the draperies. She had been praying at intervals all night, the words of the Master in her thoughts. God is more willing to give good gifts to his children than ye are to give good things to your children. And now her heart was full of bitterness. I have prayed, and God hath not heard me. My child is dying. The Master hath healed scores of worthless beggars, but now that my pure, innocent child is suffering, he will not come. If he were the Christ, would he not know of this? And over and over again the cruel thoughts repeated themselves, till her brain was half crazed with pain. At length she arose, and swiftly, approaching her husband, who was sitting motionless, watching the child's face, she said, Wilt thou go forth and search for the Nazarene? Do not wait. It may be that he hath come even now. Jarius arose, and without a word left the room. It was morning now, and the bright sunlight struck painfully on his throbbing eyeballs. Outside, the faithful Benoni is pacing up and down the terrace. At the sound of a step, he sprang forward, but the question died on his lips when he saw the master's face. "'Has anything been heard of the Nazarene?' asked Jarius. "'Nothing, my lord,' answered the man mournfully. "'I have been out to inquire many times, and the lad Titus also.' "'I am going now. It may be that I shall find him,' said Jarius slowly. "'Do thou remain here within call.' I will take the lad with me. Titus had just made one of his fruitless excursions into the street, and was about to return sorrowfully for the twentieth time, when he had heard a noise as of light, rapid footfalls on the stone pavement. Someone was coming. He stood still and listened. In another moment Stephen approached the gate, running at full speed. When he beheld Titus he cried out joyfully, He has come! Titus did not stop to hear more, but calling to Stephen to wait, ran back through the court into the garden, and was about to knock boldly on the door which led to the inner court, when it suddenly opened, and Jarius himself came out. "'The healer hath come!' cried Titus excitedly, without waiting for his master to speak. "'My brother hath but just brought word. He's waiting outside, and he can tell us where the Nazarene is to be found. Shall I go for thee?' "'No, lad,' said Jarius. "'I will go for myself, but thou mayest attend me.' The two passed quickly into the street, where they found Stephen waiting. Come this way, he said. He hath but just landed outside the city, and was approaching the eastern gate when I heard of it. All three hurried on in silence, Jarius slightly in advance of the two lads, as though he would outstrip them. Never had the way seemed so long. Streets, squares, alleys, mansions and hovels, amphitheater and synagogue, they were all alike to him now. He had neither eaten nor slept for more than twenty-four hours, and things loomed up large and horrible through a mist of pain. At last they reached the eastern gate. 
"'Hath the Nazarene passed this way yet?' he asked the gatekeeper hoarsely. "'No,' said the man. "'He hath stopped yonder to talk to the people, who already throng him, though he hath but just landed.' He pointed eastward as he spoke, and the three hurried on toward a little rise in the ground, which was crowded with people. They presently reached the outskirts of this throng, and they could see the face of the master himself as he stood upon an elevation in the midst. "'In God's name, let me pass, good people,' cried Jarius. "'I must speak with the master.' The crowd gave way respectfully, for many of them recognized the speaker, and all saw that he was in deep trouble. And now he has fallen at the feet of the master, and is crying out, "'Jesus, thou Son of God, I beseech thee to hear me. My little daughter lieth at the point of death.' I pray thee come, and lay her hands upon her, that she may be healed, and she shall live. Immediately Jesus put forth his hand and raised him up, and they began to move toward the city gate. And with them all the multitude, which was constantly increasing as one and another, scenting some new excitement, joined it. Their progress was necessarily slow now, for the crowd was surging on all sides of them. Presently they stopped altogether, for Jesus was standing still in the midst. Turning, he said, who touched me? At first no one answered, for all were astonished at the question. Then one of his disciples, Peter by name, said, Master, the multitude throng thee, and press thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? But Jesus answered, Someone hath touched me, for I perceive that power hath gone out of me. As he spoke, he fixed his eyes upon a poorly dressed woman who stood near. When she saw that he was looking at her, she trembled, and coming forward, fell down before him and sobbed out, O oh, master, I beseech thee to forgive me. I have been in misery for twelve years by reason of an incurable disease, and have suffered many things of many physicians. I have spent all that I had, and was nothing bettered, but always made worse. And I thought in my heart that if I could but touch the hem of thy garment, I should be healed. And it was so, for no sooner had I touched than I was made whole. When Jesus heard this, he put forth his hand and raised her up, saying, Daughter, be of good courage. Thy faith had made thee whole. Go in peace, and be healed of thy scourge. While he was yet speaking to the woman, Jairus, who had been waiting in an agony of impatience, saw Benoni approaching, and Benoni, when he spied his master, rent his clothes with a loud cry of grief. Alas, my lord, he said, thy daughter is dead. Trouble not the master any further. The face of Jarius blanched to a ghastly pallor when he heard these words, and he would have fallen to the earth had it not been for the quick hand of the master. Be not afraid, he said to him gently. Only believe. Then turning, he spoke authoritatively to the crowd, forbidding them to come any further. Again they went on, Jesus with three of his disciples and Jarius, the two lads with Benoni following them at a little distance. What can the healer do now to help? muttered Titus bitterly. But for the woman, we might have been in time. The little one breathed her last just after Master left the house, said Benoni sadly. But didst thou hear what the Master said to the father of the child? said Stephen. Fear not, only believe. He will do something to help, thou wilt see. But what can he do now? repeated Titus. He can help them to bear the will of our Father which is in heaven, said Stephen softly. By this time they had come to the house of Jarius, and entering in after the others, they found the court of the household almost deserted. Passing through into the garden court, 
they could hear the piercing wails of the women from the death chamber, for the door leading to the inner court stood wide open. The garden itself was filled with excited women, wailing and gesticulating, while the men with rent garments were weeping aloud, and strewing ashes upon their heads and beards in token of their grief. Within sat the mother by the bedside of her dead child, for she had resisted the well-meant efforts of her women to take her away, her wide, tearless eyes fixed upon the waxen beauty of the face upon the pillow. Amid all the wailing and the tumult she was stonely silent. Soon she will be forever hidden from me, she was thinking. I must not weep now, while she is sleeping so quietly. Presently she became dimly aware of another presence in the room, and of a deep, authoritative voice. What was it he was saying? Why make ye this ado, and weep? The damsel is not dead, but sleepeth. And the strident wailing ceased, and there was a blessed stillness in her tortured ears. Not dead! Sleeping! She started to her feet, and leaning... She started to her feet, and leaning over the little form, listened breathlessly. Alas! She slept indeed, but it was the chill and pulseless sleep which would know no waking. She raised her eyes, dim with anguish, to his face. Thou knowest that she is dead, master, were the words which shaped themselves on her lips, but they were never uttered. Something in those fathomless eyes forbade them. And standing by the bedside, Jesus took the little icy hand in his and said, My child, I say unto thee, Arise. And at the words, lo, a rosy flush swept over the marble beauty of the face. The long lashes trembled in the eyes, but lately closed for the long, long sleep, flashed wide open, bright with joy and health. They fixed themselves upon the master's face, and a smile slow and sweet dawned in their starry depths. "'Tis thou at last,' she said. "'I have been dreaming of thee.' Who could describe the scene which followed? the happiness, the gratitude, the well-nigh delirious revulsion from the depths of the grief so profound to the heights of a joy so transcendent. The child gazed at her parents in solemn wonder as they fell at the master's feet, covering them with tears and kisses. She had slept, she had dreamed, she had awakened. But what meant these strange weepings, this tumult in the garden outside? Was she dreaming still? The master, seeing her look, and divining her thoughts, spoke to her mother, his words recalling her instantly to herself. The child is unhungered. Wilt thou not give her to eat? Then charging them straightly that they should not noise the thing abroad, he left them alone with their joy. End of chapter 14